Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, the scriptures tell us, if you want to turn there, we're going to start a new series tonight called Do Not Quench the Spirit. Part of the, part of the thing that I felt like the Lord impressed me with and part of fulfilling the vision as far as the goal of Faith Family Church and the four points of our vision that we have, um, a lot of it, a lot of, uh, a lot of church activity is spiritual development. And uh, I want to talk about the move of the Spirit within the church. Um, and whenever it comes to hearing scriptures, it's, it's the same thing with, like we just went through the book of Philippians. Um, we can become spiritually fat if we don't do what we hear. So sometimes, like if a series, I've never done a series that lasted as long as the Philippians series, you know, because it was just verse by verse. I actually have never preached verse by verse before, before I did that. It was new to me, but I wanted to try it, and I felt like I should do it, and I love it. More than anything, I really learned more about studying the Word. Uh, it helped me in that, and, and there are so many uh, messages within the message that we did in Philippians. I mean, you could go, you think I went long on that. You ain't seen nothing yet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just can't help a joke about stuff like that. It's just so funny. But uh, there's so many messages within those scriptures. I mean, you can take a, a two, three scriptures out of Philippians and preach for months on, you know, having peace of mind and peace of heart about uh, dealing with trial and what you're supposed to be. You could just take the rejoice scriptures out of Philippians and go, and we did it verse by verse. And I go back to the Russian doll analogy. You know, when it comes to scripture, you have, let's say, the book of Philippians, which is a, a whole book of scriptures, and those scriptures are, the individual scriptures are within that book, but then you have chapters in that book, and I know, I know the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. I get that, but you have uh, kind of groupings that the translators have put within the chapters of verses, and it's like those Russian dolls. You know, you have the big doll and you open it up and then there's another doll and then there's another doll and then there's another and there's another doll and there's another doll. And this is what the scripture is like. Only this Russian doll is eternal. So the way the Holy Spirit said to me one time was this. He said, if you jump into the bottom or he said, if you jump into eternity, do you ever hit the bottom? And I said, no, you don't. Which means, and, and many of you know this because you're, you're, most of you here are discipled believers. You've been, a, you've been following and fellowshipping with the Lord for many years. You can read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it will take on a new meaning to you every time you read it. If you're reading it with openness to the Holy Spirit. So... Um, Rhema used to say this to us. They used to say, um, if you just have the word, you become crispy and dry. If you just have the spirit, you become flaky, and you need both. Brother Hagen, right before he passed away, one of the last prophetic words that he gave us uh, by the Spirit of God was, um, we are a word church, he said, but don't forget, we are a Holy Spirit church. 
And we can become so intellectual. In fact, you can become so educated like the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they actually missed their Messiah. And uh, this is something my father-in-law said to me for years. I mean, I remember him saying this way back. He said, the, the religious leaders in Jesus' day miss Jesus. I don't want to miss him. And I don't either. But we can become religious. It's easy to become religious. It's easy to become and fall in love with being smart. And just about the time you think you figured it out, Jesus will bring along an ignorant fisherman and he'll teach you something you didn't know with your PhD. Just to prove a point that even as intellectually advanced as we may get, even if we knew all the Greek and Hebrew and all, we had this depth of understanding naturally of this, including memorizing the maps. God looks down and goes, what about this? Our highest thought. In other words, the foolishness of God is wiser. Now, I don't, I don't know if you should, you know, I don't know who, I don't remember the passage or who wrote that verse, but you'd kind of maybe tremble a little bit when you're writing foolishness of God, because do you dare say there's foolishness of God? You know, but what he's making a point, it's not about what he's saying about God, it's about what we're hearing and what we're thinking, because how quickly does humanity go, well, I mean, is there a God really? How quickly do, uh, like I had somebody, uh, had a relative quote to me one time, talking about uh, Bezos, uh, Jeff Bezos, the Amazon guy. Is he the Amazon guy? And he was supposedly going to be the first trillionaire or he is or whatever. And we were talking about some things and they mentioned Jeff Bezos. And, and this person said to me, this relative said to me, don't you think we should listen to him? He's going to be the first trillionaire. I thought, what does that got to do with anything? Anybody that has a lot of money but doesn't have enough sense to see God, I'm not listening to you. Well, I, have, I could really help. See, you think I love your money, and I don't. I actually love you, which means I'm going to stand by God and not your money. I don't care about your money. I don't care about your money. Amen? Aren't you happy about that? People say, but oh, you're supposed to care. You're the pastor. I'll pray for you, but if my motivation is money, then I'm in sin because James said so. I, that means I'd get all the rich people, quote-unquote rich people in the church, and get them up to sit by me, and we become buddies. But then you know what else also happens? Now the rich people determine what I preach because I don't want to offend them. Sorry. I'm just too bullheaded for that. <laughs> yeah, thank God, right? I am just, I just, I have it in me that truth is truth. You can ask my mom. She calls, she says this to me. She says, she said this so many times. My dad actually bought this arrow before he passed away and it had a prophetic significance to him and what the Lord had showed him. And it was about us kids and stuff like that. Well, I have the arrow in my office. And she said, I'm giving this to you because you're the straight arrow. I said, what do you mean? She said, all your life, Sean, you've always shot just straight. If you believed it, that was it. That was, we're not deviating straight on. Well, I found something that never is crooked. It always works. So when we are in series, when we're talking about series, we're learning about things, 
the, the challenge here is, and, and this is where I want to go back to what I began the statement with was this, the Holy Spirit leading me and talking to me about in prayer, and then also the points and the vision of the church about discipleship, but about having the flow of the Holy Ghost on Sunday mornings, where we allow the Spirit of God to, and we say allow, but we make room for the, the Holy Spirit to be able to operate through the gifts through the congregation. And it's important, and there's a lot of truth surrounding. I mean, I got revelation today. I have never, I never saw this. And I've been in, I've been in services where the spirit. I've been in services where entire uh, uh, one person after another got up and gave prophetic words, or s- people that sing uh, uh, stood up and sang out in the spirit uh, in other tongues, and then in English. I've been in services where the spirit of God comes so thick in the room, it's almost like you could, it's almost like the energy goes into you into your skin, and into your and you can feel it. I've actually been in services where the Spirit of God was moving in such a rejoicing way. How many of you have read where the Scripture where it says Jesus rejoiced in spirit? Okay? That actually means to jump up and down and spin around and to change your countenance. I think we need a few more of those services because there are some Christians that really need to be bounced repeatedly until their face changes. <laughs> okay, this is teaching, so I can't get into preaching. Okay, so, but I've been in services literally. In fact, Mike, was, Mike Hill was in the service with me. We would go to a meetings down in Tulsa by a minister named of Mark Brzee. Mark Brzee used to travel with Brother Hagen. He has a church now in, uh, and a Bible college, a mission school in uh, Tulsa. But he would have Holy Ghost meetings. And Holy Ghost meetings are just where you show up and see what the Holy Ghost does. And sometimes preaching of the Word, teaching of the Word would happen. Sometimes demonstrations would happen. All sorts of different things. But in this night, the Spirit of God was just moving. I mean, moving and moving. And people were rejoicing and dancing in the Spirit. People were, you know, some people just fall, fell, fell out of their chair, you know, and just fell on the ground. And uh, none of this was new to me because I've been at drunk parties before. I mean, God invented it, only he didn't give you a hangover, you know? So none of it, I mean, I'm like, well, you know, I never thought anything weird of it, you know? Um, And so we were sitting in our seats, and there was a group of us, and literally, I found myself out of my seat. I came to, and I was way over, I would say I was sitting over here, I was way over there running. I don't know how I got out of my seat. I have no idea how I got past the chairs. I have no clue. But the Spirit of God just came in so strong that it just, it's almost like you just get lifted up and taken. I mean, I watched people do physically impossible things. It is impossible. And you weren't sore the next day. I watched little guys, little friends of mine, guys that were smaller, like jump whole sections of chairs and take off dancing down the, like from a seated position. Physically, you go, what? What just happened? The Spirit of God moving like that. I have a friend of mine in Canada, Roma Fisher. He's a pastor there. And he said when uh, he was praying for revival in his church, and he would wake up every morning and pray from 4 in the morning till 8 in the morning, every morning in other tongues. We got to get back to this, by the way. I am. I'm not waking up at four in the morning and doing it, but I am getting back to this. So, 
But uh, just praying in other tongues, just praying in the Spirit. And he said he went to a uh, he went to one of his. They were having a, a church service that week, and he was in the service, and the Spirit of God was just moving. He said he'd watch it. He'd watch the Spirit of God move from section to section, and it was almost like uh, Brother Hagen would say it this way: like an invisible conductor, like at an orchestra, and at this whole section would just start laughing and rejoicing, and then it would move over to the middle section and have. And he said he watched a young boy who was heavy set young boy. He was not necessarily in good shape. You know what I mean? And uh, he danced in the spirit for 45 minutes straight and did not break a sweat. People, what is that? It's a sign and a wonder. You know? Like if that guy had a wrestling coach, he'd be like, this is impossible. That's not how you cut weight. By dancing for 45 minutes straight and not sweating, it's physically impossible. But spiritually, it's possible. Why? To get your attention. So we're in the day in this church where God wants to get this city's attention. Saith the Lord. I just prophesied. <laughs> okay. I won't always tag, saith the Lord, but you understand what I'm saying. God wants to get the church's attention, but he wants to get the world's attention too. So if we're going to cooperate with him in the gifts of the Spirit, we have to be able, we have to have an understanding of what that is. You don't cooperate in ignorance. You have to have knowledge because knowledge, faith comes where, where you have knowledge. Faith begins where knowledge is found. That's where it starts. Where when you have knowledge, when you have understanding, I'm talking about scriptural knowledge, scriptural understanding, when you have that, then those words come to you, and if your heart's right before the Lord, they'll begin to germinate and stir up faith within you. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to start to look at. The scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be what? Ignorant. You know, um, this is a big deal. He doesn't want us ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It means you just don't know. And if you don't know, how can you believe? Um, we always talk about how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, right? Romans 10. But if you look at the whole context of what that uh, Romans chapter 10 is talking about, specifically it's talking about the preaching of the gospel to the lost. And the scripture talks about how shall they hear unless they have a preacher. And how shall they believe unless they what? Hear words. In other words, I didn't know Jesus died for me. And then knowledge comes. You're no longer ignorant. And you have opportunity through, through the revelation of the word and the spirit of God, the convincing of the Holy Spirit, to hear and see light come to you. And it gives you opportunity to remove what? Ignorance. It gives you opportunity to respond to something you didn't know. Well, that process, the, 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 the process of faith that got you into the kingdom is the process of faith once you're in the kingdom. It doesn't change. In other words, you don't, faith still comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Sometimes people think, well, no, I, I believed, I heard the word, I got saved, that's it. No, 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 that's just the beginning of a life full of experiences and encounters with God that are beyond what you're you or my brain naturally can even come up with. I love what Brother Hagen says. He has a book called uh, Tongues Beyond the Upper Room, and I've been reading it. 
And just going through it, meditating it, reading it, just developing more and more in my prayer life with the Lord in praying in other tongues. And as I've been doing this and reading what he's saying, he's talking about the fact he makes, he talks about in one particular portion of, of one of the chapters, he talks about how a mountaintop experience is not supposed to be a one-time event. It's actually, you know, people get born again, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they have this ecstasy or this amazing experience with God when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they think they have to go back to the camp where it happened, when in all reality, that was just the door that was open to you. You stepped into the room, but you stayed at the doorway instead of walking on the rest of the way. Walking into a greater and greater depths of experiences with the Lord. Really, your best day with the Holy Ghost was supposed to be today. And if it wasn't today, it's supposed to be tomorrow. You're supposed to have another experience and another experience and another experience. You're supposed to have events and power flowing through you on a daily basis. I'm not saying it all has to be a crippled getting up out of a wheelchair, but you should have encounters with God. You should be aware of angels. You should be aware of the supernatural. You should be aware of the presence of God wherever you're at. You should not only, like Jim Hockaday talks about, you should not only be experiencing him in the creation, but in the word, but in the day-to-day, in your process of your day-to-day. You should be experiencing God all day long, every day. I'm not saying you're lost. I'm saying you're over in the spirit realm, so to speak, but you're here in the earth doing what you need to do, but you're fellowshipping with your Father constantly. And as we get older, we get smarter, and actually what happens is the Lord said, you need to go backwards. That's why he grabbed a child in the middle of a group of a bunch of old guys who were really smart and sophisticated and said, unless you come, become like this child. In other words, your imagination was never supposed to stop. It's just supposed to be captivated by God. And you're supposed to be experiencing I experience him. How many are increasing in your experience with the Lord? You're, you know him more. Come on, think about your savior, your master. He said, I only do. What I see. <laughs> People say, oh, he must have walked around in an open vision. No. See, you, you got to realize seeing in the spirit isn't necessarily, it can be an open vision, but it's a note, the eyes of my heart are enlightened. So what I feel like even with this series, even where the Lord is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he doesn't want us to be ignorant. What's he saying? The group that comes on Wednesday is going to carry the group that comes on Sunday. You say, what do you mean by that? You're the ones that are able to hear this and then able to cooperate with the Lord. You're discipled, you're disciplined enough to take time in your life to pray for the body collect that comes on Sunday. To hear, to see to know, to hear the words of the Father, to see the desire of the Father in order for him to share through you what he would desire to the body. And people say, well, that puts pressure on me. No, you're missing it. All you have to do is fellowship with the Lord. You don't have to come up with a gift. 
You don't even have to, he may tell you, no, I don't want you to do anything. You just sit and watch. But it's this developing that needs to take place within the body of Christ where the disciples of Christ, not just the preachers, know how to flow with the Holy Ghost. Now, I know, I know there have been times where preachers have said, well, I don't want the move of the Spirit because I don't know how to handle it. I don't know where that scripture is. If you don't know how to handle it, just ignore what I wrote you in the book. I, that's not God. I know. I remember this is years ago when we were at our other building just starting out. Mark was doing a series on uh, by John Bevere. What was that series? Driven by Eternity. Yeah, I love that series. I love that book. Powerful book. And he, and he was teaching away on a particular part where Moses was going up to the mountain and all the people stood back. He was talking about how the people were afraid and they said, Moses, you go, you go. And a lot of people do this today. They go, Mike, you go. Or, or Kyla, you go. Or, or Ron, you go. I don't want to go. I'm scared of God. I'm the opposite because, see, they were afraid they were going to die. I don't know about you, but if God's on the mountain... It's worth possibly dying to see him before you go. <laughs> I mean, let's just go up there. Maybe he'll let us live. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how I feel about it. You mean God's on the mountain? Yeah, but we're not going. Why? We're afraid we might die. I'd look at him and go, it's worth it. Moses, wait. I'm coming. <laughs> right? But see, we have to have, be open and engaged in desiring the Lord to use us this way and to fellowship with him this way to start with. We, can, we can't... We can't sit in the service when the Spirit of God's moving with our spiritual cheeks clenched, wondering what's going to happen next in fear. <laughs> See, I heard that whole sentence before it came out, and that's why I laughed. <laughs> we got to, you know, loosen up, you know, just... People say, yeah, but people are going to make a mistake. Like, you never made a mistake. Jesus said, or the, the, the scriptures tell us this, the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 21 through 21. You can mark it down. You don't have to turn there. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. You know, I've had to try that verse. There are times I'm like, I really feel like I despise prophecies right now. Because you just feel like if one more nincompoop says You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, what was the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 88? Is that what it was? And he didn't come, and people bought the next one. I'm like, what? Yeah, the one after. It's like, I know you want him to come, but stop giving that guy money. We're not to despise prophecies, though. We're to test all things 
and to hold fast what is good. Which means in the move of the Spirit, you could have some stuff that's not good, but you just what? You, you, you let that go because you tested it against the Word and against the Spirit of God within you. And you go, nope, that wasn't right. But I'm not going to stop the move of the Spirit in my life because something went wrong. Whether I missed it personally or somebody did, excuse me, in the church. We don't stop because of that. Well, I've heard people say, well, I actually, I, disagree, I have a family member that disagrees with me on this. Brother Hagin used to say, I'd rather have fire and some wildfire than no fire at all. And I had a, a friend of mine, a relative of mine say, well, why do you have to have wildfire? I'm thinking, because you got people. Hello? Like we're going to all just perfectly do everything. God is not shocked when we make a mistake. In fact, it doesn't even move him. (laughs) From these passages of Scripture, we can readily see the Lord does not want us to be in the dark when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in his church today. Jesus told us in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 16 through 18, which you can just mark down, uh, that he would be leaving, but that he would send us another helper, the Holy Spirit. Many in the church today do not understand the operation of the Holy Spirit. In this series, we're going to discover from the scriptures the importance of a Holy Spirit-filled church, a church that has knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit. A church that lives in intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit and senses his promptings ministering to the church and the world around them. You know, if you know the Holy Spirit here, you'll know him in the grocery store. If you sense a word of knowledge here, you'll sense it somewhere else. If you sense the Holy Spirit's prompting here concerning healing, you'll sense it out there concerning healing. As we come together, let's desire, discover, and develop in the giftings of the Holy Spirit. Through this series, please take time to read 1 Corinthians 14 and or, or, yeah, 14 and 1 Corinthians 12 over and over again. Wait on the Lord in prayer and meditation over these verses. As we will see, the profit of the church depends on whether we do this or not. Now I'm not going to get to that verse probably today. But these gifts are given for the profit of all. The purpose is to strengthen our church in understanding and cooperating with the move of the Holy Spirit. Decently and in order. And we are doing great, but how many know there's more we can do? Every guest minister that I have in here tells me, man, your people pull. Because I'll tell you, that we just had Jim Hockaday, and he shares with me, you know, he doesn't tell me all the details, but he said, I know when I go to certain places, I'm going to have to fight to get one truth across. And these are big churches. These are known. But he knows when I get there, I'm going to have to fight through for the first however many minutes to get to where I want to go. But he said, when I come here, man, boom, it just go. Why? Because we, we don't have the brakes on. And people say, well, what if we don't agree with everything he says? Come on now. Unless I bring in an absolute heretic, then you can stone me. But you think we're going to agree on every little detail of everything? No. And people say, well, why do you bring him in? Because Brother Hagen showed us, he told us, he kept people around him that disagreed with him. Why? 
Now, I'm not talking about whether Jesus is the Messiah or not, okay? We, there are some things we don't, we're not flexible on at all, at all. You know what I mean? In fact, I was talking to Rick the other day, and we were talking about how the Scripture says it's not good for man to be alone, yet Paul said he preferred that man be alone. So which is it? <laughs> Paul better repent. People say, what's oh, in the Word? Yeah, but if you read it, he said, this is my opinion. It's okay to disagree. On certain things, it absolutely is. Plus, have you ever noticed this? If you'll allow true fellowship and family relationship to happen within the church and you have disagreements, but you don't disconnect those relationships, they make you stronger. And anybody that thinks they have it all together, <laughs> yeah, it's danger, danger city. You know? And so we have to be aware of that. So we need to be able to, to it's, not, it's not shutting down the move of the Spirit. It's not, quote unquote, you know, removing every, anything that could cause contradiction out of our lives or anything that challenges what we believe out of our lives. It's a matter of knowing the truth and discerning by the Word and by the Spirit of truth what is God and what is not. If this was not important to the Lord, as far as the move of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, why would he dedicate this whole chapter in Scripture to it? I had somebody tell me one time, a minister, that I'm not going to give any names or anything, but they made this statement to me. They said, well, I feel like the gifts of the Spirit are for small groups. Do you know how big First Corinthians, the church in Corinth was? And as far as I can tell, Paul didn't have cell groups in him. People say, well, they met house to house. Well, they, yeah, at times they met house to house, but they came together as, group, as a group too. People say, well, you know, you could flow with the gifts of the Spirit if the church is about, you know, 200 or less. But I know of pastors that flow with the gifts of the Spirit with a church of 4,000. You just have to have a, more people help in the discipline, discipleship, and bordering the decently and in order part, as you go. Why would you stop? I was in services uh, down at Rama at Winter Bible Seminar, and there were 8,000 people or whatever in that sanctuary. And now the sharing that went on, it was more from ministers or the platform or things like that just because of the volume of people. And it wasn't one person after another forever. It was a sectioned time but it still happened, and we watched the demonstration of the Spirit so that we could learn how to flow with the Lord. Because you have to have an experience, not just a Greek definition. You have to know, you have to, at some point in this process, every person that hears these words will be accountable for them. And at some point, as we flow with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is going to say, Boom, do this. And you're going to go, uh, well, I always wanted to walk on the water. Right? It, you know, at least you're not getting trained how I was. You say, how was that? Larry Phelan, Sean, come here. 
What are we doing? You're going to give an interpretation. I'm going to give a tongue. I, I would often think to myself, let me give the tongue. You give the interpretation. You say, what do you do in that moment? Well, you certainly don't start looking around because you'll sink. You just go, Lord, I know you. And people say, well, did you have anything? No. When I first started giving prophetic words, and I know I haven't gotten to the teaching yet, but I'm trying to prime you up here, <laughs> just so you can at least be open to this. When I first started giving prophetic words, tongues and interpretation, things like that are flowing with the Spirit of God, what I did is I would focus inside of me. And as I did that, the Lord started, I heard Keith Moore say this one time, when he, because he had a psalming gift. I don't sing, Okay. He had a song, psalming gift, so he'd get up and sing out in tongues or in English. And he would sing out songs. And he said when he first started doing it, God would give him the whole first line. And then it went down to a few words. And then it went down to a word. And then it went down to the note that the keyboard player was supposed to play. And he didn't know any of the words yet. And people say, well, God wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he would. People say, why? He wants to embarrass you? No, he wants to show you the faith you already have. It's already in you. It has to be developed. Can I ask you something? After you gain knowledge in school, isn't there always a test at the end? See, I don't want to be a spirit-filled church in name only. People ask me something, well, what's your doctrines? Well, go on the website. You can read them. But I could read, my doctrines are not any different than a lot of spirit-filled churches, and they don't have any move of the spirit. I feel dishonest. I might as well put, you know, are you a spirit-filled church? I might as well mark underneath it, in name only. We believe this. And by what I mean by that is we know it's in the word, but we don't actually do it, so maybe we don't really believe it. I don't want to be that. I can't be that. People say, well, you're going to keep your church small, not according to the scriptures. <laughs> I'm telling you what. People, <laughs> Jerry Savelle came through and he, he taught on being a barrier breaker. And so he said, there, you, he, the Lord told him, the people that were in the congregation, that they were barrier breakers. Well, we were there on your behalf. By default, you're a barrier breaker. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, because people have told me for years, uh, ministers, well, if you allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate in your church, your church won't grow. You're going to scare people. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture doesn't say that the gifts of the Spirit were given to shrink your church and scare people. That's not what it says. And people say, well, you've had people come and leave because of it. a few have left. But I'm just looking for the ones that will stick. And I'm just, I'm just you know, that uh, convinced about it that I'll just keep sticking with it in the face of contradiction, and watch God do what he's supposed to do. Amen? So he doesn't want us to be ignorant. Since this is found in Scripture, it means that the Lord sees it as important for a church to have as a part of its culture. 
1 Corinthians 12, 1, we already read it. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The Lord does not want us to be ignorant. The Mirror Bible says it this way. Spiritual manifestations are not to be confused with the spooky. I love that, man. I, was just, I read that today and went, woo, glory. You know, I spin around in my chair, you know, rock it up and down, you know. Just because it is spirit dimension does not mean that you cannot understand what God's spirit is saying to you. Whew, I like that. It just goes through me. When I, because it's spirit dimension. What does that mean? The scripture says you are a spirit. Paul said, I pray your whole spirit, soul, body be found blank. You're it's spirit dimension. You are spirit dimension. You know how to hear from your father. You know the voice of your father. In fact, the voice of a stranger you won't even follow. You don't bother with that other voice. That other voice talk 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 and all of a sudden you hear, "Oh, hey, that's the father. Let's go." Why? Cuz you're spirit dimension. And since you're spirit dimension, you're not spooked. By spirit. I refuse to be spooked by spirit. And I've ran into de- I ran into devils today. They showed up. You say, what did you do? I spoke directly to them. And I mean with force. You can ask my wife, Andrew Seal. I have two witnesses in the mouth of two or three witnesses. <laughs> you say, you did... Was it in love? Yeah. As much as Jesus talked to the religious leaders in love. And you say, why? I'll tell you why. Because if this person doesn't repent, their life is on the line. You say, how do you know? Because I function in the spirit and I'm not spooked by it. I know the Holy Ghost within me. I know him. You know. Say this with me. Say, I. Point at yourself. Say, I know the spirit within me. I follow that spirit. We are born of the spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within us. The word ignorant in this verse means not to know. It means not to understand. That's all it means. It just means you don't know and you don't understand. So what is the Lord saying in this verse? He's saying what? I don't want you concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you not to know. What does that mean? He wants you to know. You say, well, that's really simple. Most of the word is. We complicate it. The entrance into understanding concerning these things begins with a ready and believing heart. It doesn't begin, you're going to gain knowledge, but unless knowledge is combined with a believing heart, revelation cannot spring forth. That's why many in the secular world can't understand the creation. Because the scripture says, by faith, 
we know how the worlds were formed. And if you don't have faith, then you're left with your own noodle. And, and this is much of the secular world. They don't even know that the demons are talking to them. They call it their own thoughts. The Passion Translation says, My fellow believers, I do not want you to be confused about spiritual realities. The New Living Translation says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I do not want you to misunderstand this. The Amplified says, Now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments of supernatural energy, brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. God does not want us to be ignorant. Now let's look at verse 2 and 3, and we'll end here. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols. You know... And then he goes on to say this. Before I comment, I'll, I'll keep reading. However you were led. However you were led. I love that. Therefore I made known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus what? Accursed. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In the Mirror Bible, verse 3 says this. Holy Spirit will never distract from Jesus or prompt anyone to dishonor Christ. Holy Spirit will always magnify the lordship of Jesus. The people at Corinth uh, worshipped in false religions before they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. History tells us that they had spiritual manifestations prior to the moving of the Holy Spirit. How many know demons can dance too? How many know... Well, I'll read the history on this. It is well known that in pagan religions, the devotees were sometimes swept away in ecstasy. This is the meaning of carried away. A word used elsewhere in the New Testament for leading someone away. At times, such worshipers would also utter some kind of inspired speech prompted by a demon spirit behind the mute idol. Is, is Satan a copycat? Well, he doesn't have anything original. And he knows that this power of the Holy Spirit is real. And he knows that the manifestation of the Spirit is real. And he knows that the manifestation in the church is real. And he knows that that power has defeated him. So in order to continue the deception involved in deceiving mankind and pulling them away from the kingdom of God, he has to have a counterfeit. Because some people will just not accept that there isn't something outside of just natural things. They have to have spiritual things. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in America, the demonic has taken a whole new leap. But where sin abounds, which means what? Just like Moses, ours will swallow up theirs. Come on, if Moses had to deal with Egyptian magicians, don't you think we'll have to deal with demonic activity? Well, I don't want to get into all that stuff because it's spooky. <laughs> okay, you can stick your head in the sand and the rest of us will march on in victory. The spirit that is within it. Come on now, what did Jesus say? He said, if you, and, and this is specific to, uh, to receiving the Holy Spirit or receiving the Spirit of God. He said, if you ask for bread, I won't give you what? In other words, if you seek the Lord, you're not getting a demon. Amen? People say, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Listen, trust me. 
I know many people that didn't serve the Lord and then did. And prior to serving the Lord, they weren't even trying to see a demon, and they saw them. They were just out trying to have fun, you know, like the world has fun. But it's not spooky to us because we know the truth. The Greek god Apollo was especially identified as a source of ecstatic, sometimes frenzied utterances. In their pre-conversion days, some believers were led by evil spirit. Paul teaches that by contrast, believers are led by the Holy Spirit. Here we see a strong reason for having a good understanding of the scriptures on the move of the Holy Spirit in the church. We must be able to discern between the real and the fake. Again, this reminds me of Moses against the magicians. Another commentary said this, a comparison of their former heathen condition and their present Christians uh, and the present Christian state shows a change had taken place. A, Christians, a Christian at all times acknowledges the lordship of Jesus Christ. It is possible in the public worship that some, someone under ecstatic influence may have cried, Jesus is accursed, and that's where that statement came from. And because of the excitement under which the statement was made, some were prompted to believe that this, this came from God. Another view is that the statement might have been made by a false teacher. Such a statement denied the lordship of Jesus Christ. An utterance under the influence of the Holy Spirit is different. It asserts the lordship of Jesus Christ. If this particular utterance involved glossolalia or other tongues... It would also have involved interpretation or be a prophecy for the statement to be understood publicly. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit, always magnifies Jesus Christ. You say, why would you say that? Because, remember, the gifts of the Spirit in operation are not spooky, which means what? We can discern what's from the Lord and what's from the enemy. We can discern by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God within us. We can test all things, dispose of what isn't good, and cling to what is good, and still live a balanced life that does not despise prophecy or despise the move of the Spirit. Amen? And so we need to be aware of that. Here we see another reason why it is so important to understand and know the scriptures concerning the moving of the Holy Spirit. We must realize that there is demonic influence in the earth and believers come from all kinds of backgrounds and have had influences on their minds and lives that are, are not godly. And this can lead to the enemy trying to sneak into the move of the Spirit with false manifestations. But if you have enough believers who know and can recognize and who have developed themselves in intimacy with the Lord, knowledge of the Word of God, and being aware of God at all times... You don't just seek God on Sunday and Wednesday. You walk with him. Then you can have a church that is so, the leadership is strong, but the, the body itself is so garrisoned in strength that the devil goes, man, this is hard to move in this group. Which then translates to being hard to move in a city. The best way to deal with the issue is not to shy away from the move of the Holy Spirit, but rather to be well-versed in the Scriptures and practiced in flowing with the Holy Spirit in order to easily spot false, the false and correct and instruct it in the right way. People say, oh no, nobody can correct me. Okay, you won't last. I'm talking about you won't last with the Lord. 
Because the Lord always corrects. What I mean by that is he, he, he doesn't abandon correction for the sake of false love. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? If you love me, you just let me do whatever I want. And you're telling me you don't love the Lord and you don't love the church. It's a shocker to me. It's amazing to me at times. Well, let me make this statement and then we'll close with this. Fear of the enemy has stopped many believers in churches from a deep and valid move of the Holy Spirit within the church. This then leaves the bondages of the enemy on believers that would have been set free. I'm going to say this again. Because this is how serious this is. Fear of the enemy has stopped many believers in churches from a deep and valid move of the Holy Spirit within the church. This then leaves the bondages of the enemy on believers that would have been set free. Because the scripture says that the gifts of the Spirit are given for the profit of all. There, in fact, I'll just say this, we're not going to get to it today, because we've got to leave off right here. But I'll just say this, the gifts of the Spirit are actually not for you Now, they're for you, but they're not for you. In other words, if the gift of of the Holy Spirit, say the gift of healing comes on me, and and it wants to flow through me to somebody, it's not for me, it's for them. Watch, and we're going to get into this, you're going to see this as we go, but you know, right after the gifts of the Spirit, you know what Paul starts talking about? The body, the ear, the nose, the eyes, the feet. The hands. Why? Because all these diversities minister to each other. It's the ministry of the body. Have you ever stubbed your pinky toe? Your little toe? You know, the little dude? Has that one ever found furniture for you? Did your whole body respond? See, the gifts of the Spirit are designed, and the way they operate, that if one part of the body gets, the rest of the body goes into action and attacks the enemy. The gifts of the Spirit are given not to make you famous. Well, I just love my gift. I just love my gift. I just love the way I flow in my gift. I got to feel that flow of that gift. It just flows right through. I love what it does for me. People do this. You say, you say, how do you know? I have lived in this. People are like, people, I've had people, and this is why we're going to learn not to just give a bunch of overly undue accolades to somebody who flows in a prophetic gift or flows in a healing gift or flows in a whatever gift. Because what you do is you attach yourself to something physical and you miss the source. It's why I have the hardest time, and I I still do. I've even been corrected on it. And I have the hardest time receiving compliments about something the Lord did, whether it was preach a message or, or whatever. I have the hardest time. Why? Because I am aware more than anybody that it isn't me. Do you think I have the words that I... Do you think the illustrations that came forth today were, uh, were uh, uh, pre-done? 
They just come into me and through me. And then my body looks like an idiot, but you laugh. And while you're laughing, a spiritual truth goes wham! And it seeds in there. Or a prophetic word. I've had people, you know, and I get it. I get to honor the gift. I understand that. I get it. But I've had people come up to me or or other people. They'll attach so much to a person, they don't even bother trying to pray themselves. Or he, they don't, they'll never think that a word of knowledge, that's why, like uh, Ryan sharing the different things that he is and, and, and the experiences that he's had that he shared with me about the Spirit of God moving through him. It's so wonderful to hear. Why? Because you know you have somebody else in the body of Christ, and there are many that, that do this, but you have somebody else in the body of Christ who's hearing from God and ministering out there, which means you don't have to do it all. I had somebody today tell me, well, I should just be able to come into the church and just meet with you anytime I want. I'm thinking, yo, mama. (laughs) Like I sit around all day and have nothing better to do. I'm just waiting for somebody to show up. Need me. Will you need me? Please need me. I'm so insecure that I need you to need me. Do you realize, and and I understand people are young and they don't know, but do you realize how selfish that is? And we're not even that big yet. So what happens when it's a thousand? Come on, disciples. Are you going to spend time praying for your church? Listen to me. Your body There should be such an awareness, just like in the natural, of your own body, of your spiritual body, that the moment something, you, somebody stubbed their toe. Let's pray. Let's get into this. There should be such a, okay, I'm coming to church today. I'm going to love people. I'm going to handshake. I'm going to, I'm going to, or fist bump or whatever you do. And uh, I'm going to do whatever I do and I'm going to love them. But inside of me, Lord, is the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, what gift? Is there a gift? Do I need to deliver a gift today, Lord? A lot of people come in. Now, I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd, but a lot of people come in on Sunday and they go, I need a gift. Somebody do something for me. I had a bad week. I stubbed both toes. Both little toes on either side. I stubbed them both. I'm mad. Where's the coffee? I need coffee. This isn't even good coffee. Come on, I'm just dealing with reality. You know what my kids did to me all week? I can't, my kids, I can't control my kids. I can't. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says you can't control your kids. <laughs> That's in first imaginations. He said, well, you don't know my teenager. They slam the door and they pitch a fit. They'd only do that with me once. And they'd never do it again. You say, why? Because I know how to control and inflict controlled pain. People say, oh, you would never do that. Spanking is legal in all 50 states. I am not afraid of the government. At all. (laughs) They'd only do it once. They would lose their world. They'd be on a little piece of the corner of the bed. 
with a piece of bread and some water. <laughs> and there would be enough discipline to where, and, and, and trust me, they would own it. Because I'm not about to. I mean, if my teenager was doing that now, I mean, there's some stuff that should have happened years ago. But if I found out now and I had to make adjustments, I'm talking about kids under your roof. You understand what I mean by that? You say, why? Because I'm spirit-led. Well, I just don't know what to do with my kids. I'm on something. Somebody must be watching. I don't know what to do with my kids. I just don't know what to do. Keep saying that, and you'll get further and further away from your answer. If you stop saying it and say, no, the Lord gave me the kids, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do, you'll get closer to the answer, and you'll get the results you want. There is no place in Scripture where it says in a family unit, mom and dad, talking about mom and dad, parents of the child, where there's no place in Scripture where it says you have to lose your house to the kids. None. In fact, it says train a child up in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart. That word train is a military term. It has to do with military discipline. Now, if you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent with a kid, that's different. That's a different situation. Okay? I need to clarify that. Because I know sometimes grandparents and great-grandparents, they get put in positions that are not their fault. It's not has nothing to do. They're just in the position. That's a different situation altogether. But if you're the parent, you have control. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.